Right, I'm going to take a couple of Sundays or whatever, a couple of services, and I'm going to preach a little bit on the church, the local church. I think it's just necessary once in a while we need to be reminded of this. I don't know, people's minds are not what they used to be. People's minds are weaker now, I believe, through all of the bombardment of the information and all of the junk of this time and the noise. I think people's minds are weaker. I know they are. Because people don't think like they used to and reason things out according to truth and facts. They just, you know, they fall into ditches. You know, we preached this morning about Christ being everything. That is true. And that's the basic thing about it all. But people will take that, they'll throw the church out with everything else. Well, Christ is all that matters, you know, as long as I'm walking with Christ. And and they minimize the church, which is what he bought with his blood. Yes. He bought the church with his blood. And we need to learn to be able to comprehend the church and perceive it as the local church and not have this idea of a universal church. It's just all floating around everybody in the world that's saved is part of the church. No, that's not the way it is right now. When, when we're called out, then it'll be a called out assembly. And we'll be all together. All God's saved, born-again people will be together. And that'll be the bride, the church triumphant. Right, right now, it's not that way. This is how what a church is right now. Yes, sir. I want to read in Hebrews chapter 10. You, you're going to recognize these verses, but I'm going to, I'm going to read the verse that follows this verse, not just this verse. <clears throat> Not forsaking, uh, wait a minute, maybe I better give you the scripture, right? How about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25? I'm going to read 25, 26, and 27. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Is everybody there now? Yes, All right, sorry about that. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more... As you see the day approaching. What day? Well, the day of the Lord. When the the Lord's coming. You see that day coming. What are you supposed to do? Just have services once a week? Don't need it that much now. The Lord's fixing the... What are we supposed to do? Cancel everything but Sunday morning? That's what most churches have done. No, so much the more. We ought to be together more. We ought to gather together more. Well, we don't have time. Better make time. That's what the Bible says. What does the next verse start off saying? What's the first word? For. That connects this these two together, doesn't it? These two thoughts. It's talking about forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's not being at church when you're supposed to be at church. Not gathering with the people of God at the appointed time. For if we sin willfully. Now do you see what he's saying about not fors- uh, when you forsake the assembly? Sinning willfully. After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Ever since COVID came along, it's even it's it was already bad enough, but it's just magnified it to a lot of churches have just been 
They were closed up completely. Because people can watch online. People can, uh, and, and, and people can just listen to preaching anytime they want to at their convenience. They don't have to get dressed up. They don't have to go give no money. They don't have to go be around those people. They can just sit at home and listen to the preaching and convince themselves that they're doing okay. You're not doing okay. No. Now the first thing that tells me people are wrong who lightly esteem the local church is that it's the same thing that all of the lost people say and all of the, I'll say backsliders, but I don't believe in that word. I'd rather use apostate for a backslider. I don't think there's, uh, in the New Testament, where's a backslider? The word's not in the New Testament. Then the Old Testament, he called them a backsliding heifer. How do you like that? Women get offended at that word for some reason. I don't know what, but uh, that's what the Lord said. Backsliding. Well, in the New Testament, it's apostatizing. It's going back on what you said. It's the dog returning to the vomit. It's the sow returning to her wallowing in the mire. It's turning and forsaking the assembly. And you can't forsake the assembly without forsaking God. You're just fooling yourself. If you think that you can be a Christian and live and please God and do His will and not have anything to do with church. Amen. I don't care if you say amen or not. I'm telling you the truth. I hear the same stuff from lost people who are showing some, some interest in religion. They claim church is not necessary and they can learn as much with home Bible studies and all of that. Everybody thinks that anything is church. Well, where two or three are gathered together... In my name, that ain't a church. No. You don't know the Bible. Where do you get coming saying that's a church? That ain't no church. No. Let's, let's do church. Let's have church. Come and get you a little Jesus. That, they, they use that kind of verbiage nowadays. The church is the bride of Christ. He bought the church with his blood. Christ mentioned the church. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Right. What is His church? What do you think it is? It's just everybody that's just floating around loose. No, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm just making this point right here. The first thing that tells me that people are wrong who lightly esteem the church is because of the same people who lightly esteem it the lost people do. The people who are turning the other way. People in church that are going out. On their way out, they lightly esteem the church. You're in, so whose company are you in? Who are you in agreement with? How can two walk together except they be agreed? Who are you in communion with? Who are you in agreement with? Who are you like-minded with? If you esteem lightly the church. As if it... It's a take it or leave it thing. Church is an option. You can be saved and go to heaven. And everybody can't even say that anymore. That, you know, they can't make this necessary because preachers and everybody's had their teeth pulled out and they can't say any truth anymore because they're just cornered with all of their false doctrine and their puny, unbiblical, unscriptural philosophies that they've got from the world and from ungodly people in the church. And because they got sin in their life and won't deal with it either. That's a big problem right there. That's right. 
They condemn all churches and being full of hypocrites and all and people they condemn all churches and being full of hypocrites and people that are far less righteous than they, therefore they assume they have an excuse for rejecting them. I'm talking about people outside the church, people that I've known inside the church, that quit the church, they always come they, they come to this conclusion that they're better than everybody else there. They know everybody and they know more than everybody else there. They're more spiritual than everybody there. So they don't need them. Don't want them. Get away from them. Do something else. They can do better without them. The first thing you hear from backsliders is that they don't see the importance of being in church and they can live without the church. Well, I can't. Just tell you that right now. I can't. Too far in at this point. <clears throat> I've experienced too much life. I can't do it. I can't do it. It happens very, very seldom and all through my life that I've stayed home because I was too sick to go to church. I mean, it has happened very few times. And when I do, I feel terrible. I just don't feel... I feel like I've just, you know, I've missed something. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I've suffered loss. And that I've just not done right. I don't know how people can do that. I don't know how you can even be anywhere near right with God and just skip it. And it don't even matter to you. Boy, it matters to me. Yes, sir. Because it matters to God. Who's saying this to us here? This is the Scripture saying this to us. This ain't my philosophy. This ain't church rules and regulations. This is what the Bible says. They they also have great contempt for those who make up the local church. When you find somebody who doesn't esteem the church highly, if they lightly esteem it, they also have contempt for it and for the people there. Unfailing. You ain't going to run into anybody out here that just says, I don't believe I need to go to church that's going to have a kind charitable attitude toward the people that do go to church. They're not. They have enmity. They have they hold contempt for them. That's a biblical sign of one who doesn't know God. Now you want me to read you some scriptures to back that up? Oh, very easy. Easy. First John three, verse fourteen and fifteen. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Right. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Well, I love them, I just don't want to be around them. I love them, but I just hate the way they do. Now, you don't hear that out there. I've never heard anybody that says, I just don't believe you need to go to church. Tell me that they love the brethren. They don't love the brethren. 1 John 2, verse 10, 11. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. 1 John 5, verse 1 through 3. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat 
loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now, so, let's stop here. So we can all get this in our mind here. If he loves him, Christ, who be, he loves him who he begot. Now, who's he talking about? Other Christians. Simple. If you love Jesus, you're going to love your brother. Yes, sir. You're going to, if you love Jesus, you're going to love anybody else that loves Jesus. Yes, sir. That's just a statement of fact. That ain't a commandment. That ain't, that's not something God uh, has put forth as a requirement. You've got to love your brother. You just will love your brother. It's something that comes natural when you're born again. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. So, what's, what's the commandments? What did He just say there? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. How do you know you love God? Well, if you... If you keep His commandments. If you love someone, you want to be around them. Now, is that right? Yes. You could never say about someone you love, I don't need you, I don't want to be with you, and I'm better off without you. Could you? No. So when you say, I don't need the church, that's exactly what you're saying. You don't love the brethren, and you don't love God. Now, the church is an organization. I've told you before, but one time over at Bethel, this guy walked in one night, and it was like a, a freak show almost. I mean, it was some kind of family. That was, I mean, it was wild. But he, they were those kind of people. They homeschool. A lot of homeschoolers are anti-church people. They claim to be Christians, but they don't have no use for the church. That's because they're rebels. And they don't want any accountability. They don't want any kind of authority, which that is accountability. That's all that amounts to. But he, he told me, he was talking to me. And of course, he wanted, his big question to me was, did I know and understand about all the mysteries in the New Testament? The seven mysteries of God. <sighs> But then, then he got off on to, you know, we got to talking about the church. He said, well, what is the church? He said, me and old brother, me and you and old brother John there, we can meet at my house and we can study the Bible and pray together. And he said, that's church. And I said, no, that ain't church. And he said, well, what is church? And I said, well, you're standing in one right now. A church is more than just a loosely, people just loosely meeting together and debating and studying the Bible, and it's more than a hen party of women having a Bible study too. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. Show me that in the Bible. If a woman is to learn anything, what's she supposed to do? Get all the women together and have a Bible study? Outside of the church, on some other night. What does the Bible say? Somebody tell me. Ask her husband. Let her ask her husband at home. I don't care if that's offensive or popular or whatever. That's just exactly what the Bible says. And it works. It works. Yes, sir. The Bible gives clear instruction for leadership. The church is an organization. 
It was organized in the New Testament with the Scripture. We have clear instructions about what a church is, how it's supposed to be established, the order in the church. And everything's to be done decently and in order. The Bible gives clear instructions for leaderships. There's to be pastors and elders. And the requirements, and deacons are not authorities in the church. Deacons are servants in the church. A real deacon is a servant. He looks after the needs of people in the church, like the widows. Isn't that what the Scripture set them forth for? I mean, that's the way I understand the Scripture. I don't understand these deacon boards that run the church and fire the pastor and hire a pastor. That ain't in the Bible. Requirements are given for those who qualify for leadership positions. And no woman qualifies for a leadership position in the church. Sorry, just not in the Bible. Can't be the husband of one wife. There's a lot of other things that go along with it. It, it, You know, woman's not to usurp authority over the man. That's in the Bible. Concerning the church. Concerning teaching in the church. Is the li- are the lights blinking or is that me? Yes. I thought my lights were about to go out. <laughs> now, responsibilities of the leaders are given. They're to watch for our souls in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. That's what they're to do. Watch for our souls. Man, I'm glad it's that way. Nobody starts out knowing anything. I mean, everybody starts out knowing nothing. That's why the Bible said about a pastor, not a novice, not a beginner, not a young man who's just starting out. Because he'll fall into the snare of the devil. He'll get proud. He'll fall into the snare of the devil. He don't, he's green. He's not experienced. He doesn't know how to do this job. He's not up to it yet. So, not a novice. And yet I've seen people, I've seen churches put a 16-year-old boy pastoring a church. As soon as he's called to preach. 17, 18, like that. That's not in, that's against the Word of God. And it's so you know. The Bible says not to do that. Church shouldn't be pastored by a young man like that. Amen. I believe that's right. I believe I'm okay. I believe I'm in the Scripture with this. They're to teach us and protect us from error. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. I won't go there and read it, but I mean, that's what it teaches us there. They are to, the leaders of the church are to teach us and protect us from error. If you know anything tonight, it's because somebody's helped you. Because you came to church and you listened to preaching from somebody who God had called and ordained to preach or teach, and you learned from them. That's how how I've learned everything. I mean, I've learned from studying the Bible, but I learned how to study the Bible from somebody else. Their example, their teaching, their instruction, their challenging me to get in here and read it and learn for myself and get established in the truth. People have helped me. And it's been men who were put there by God. Yes, sir. Nobody's ever helped me in this way that wouldn't go to church. 
as it laid out and didn't want to go, didn't like anybody at church, hated everything about it, was a rebel against everything. None of them's ever helped me to serve God better except for to help me to see how rotten and wrong they are and not be that way. If one thing they've helped me with, it's to see that that is the wrong road to be on. They're to have the oversight in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. They're not to lord it over God's uh, people, the people of God. No. A pastor is not a dictator. And he's not, he doesn't have the call on everything. But he's the spiritual watchdog over the church. I mean, he's the guardian, the watcher. You know, you get to messing around, especially in the kind of day we're living in, and you start listening to all these kooks and cranks on the internet and everything. It's my duty to say something. Amen. And say that's, you know, you're flirting with the devil. Yes, sir. You're, you're in the wrong, you don't need to do that. You know what people do most of the time when, in this day and age? If the preacher does rebuke them, correct them, uh, try, or reprove them in any way, Leave. There are to be our examples in First Peter chapter five and verse three. So the church has leadership, but that's what the leadership is all charged with. Yeah, boy, I've seen it all. I've seen the weakest, most uh, abominable, jelly-spined pastors. Who would not, I mean, their only goal was not to offend anybody. And they make an awful mess. They're going to answer to God for it. And I've seen others that they think they're some kind of a, I don't know, Gestapo or something. I mean, they're just into everybody's business about everything. And, you know, uh, there was a book years ago and it was called uh, Warlords and. uh, I can't remember the other word, but that's what it was talking about. It was it was against that kind of a of a pastor who just tries to run a, a jailhouse or something or a kingdom, you know, like a serfdom, you know, what like Middle Ages. I mean, you make a wrong move, and buddy, you're going to get punished. You know, what? Now that's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. Be an example to the believers in every way that they follow. The, the leadership is about following, not controlling. And it's sheep, not goats. Now, that's what it's supposed to be. Now, if you've got a bunch of goats, it's a different story. And maybe that's what was wrong sometimes. Oh, well. The church is not just a group of believers meeting together for Bible study and debate or listening to preaching online or recorded. That's not a church. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong to get together and study the Bible, get together and listen to preaching together on a tape or on a... There ain't no such thing anymore. <laughs> on a CD? Well, there ain't no such thing as them anymore either, hardly. I used to send out bunches of them every week, and it was a major job. I had to do Monday and Tuesday nights, and don't send any out anymore, because it's obsolete. Most people don't even have anything that'll play a CD anymore. They don't put them in the cars anymore. 
People used to have it in the car, so they'd listen in the car. But there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't constitute a church. It doesn't replace the church. It doesn't make up for missing the assembling of ourselves together. You know, a lot of churches are crying and pleading with the people now to come back to church. Instead of sitting at home in your pajamas, drinking coffee on your couch with the TV on while you're listening to some. The church has proper leadership, proper doctrine, proper ordinances, and proper organization. That's a church. That's what I told that old boy that night. I said a church has organization and leadership. And they meet in a certain place. You know, they meet together. And at a certain time, there's order, there's organization about it all. You can't, you can't take that out of your life. See, that's it's one major problem with everybody today. And homeschooling, it's a big problem there because of the structure that is taken away from it out of life. You know, all of us grew up, I'm talking about us older people, we grew up, uh, I caught, I had to get on the bus and go to school early in the morning for daylight. And I didn't, we, the last bell rang at 20 to 4. Now we sat there all day. Now we had recesses and we had lunch hour and all of our lunch, whatever it was. Wasn't a, I don't think it's an hour. I don't even remember. But I remember that last bell, 20 to 4. That's a long time. How did I ever survive? How did we ever survive? Sitting there that long in school. Well, we learned. I learned about history and math and and English was a problem for me. Why? Take heart. You know where I learned more English than I did in high school? When I started trying to learn Spanish. I had to figure it out. In English first. So that's when I learned about past participles and predators and all of that. I missed that in high school. Somehow I, I always made A's, but... <laughs> I didn't cheat. <laughs> didn't even have to take a book home. Never took a book home. In high school, I just, it was just easy. Wasn't hard. But we had to put in our time. There was structure in it all. It was orderly. Every hour was a different class. Every, you know, whatever. It was all the way through school. We had that. And now we take that out of all of our lives. Everybody's just free floating everywhere. And, you, and then you bring it right into the matter of the church. It don't matter. Don't have to. It doesn't. Who says it has to be three times a week? Who says you have to be there? Who says it matters? The, the epistles of Timothy and Titus were instructions on how to form a New Testament church. 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what Paul wrote here. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Is he talking about some heavenly place? Did Timothy know how to behave himself in the house of God? Is that house of God? Is that some eternal heavenly future place that he's talking about? No. It was a house where they met. Where the people of God met. 
And he said, that house of God is the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. Hmm. You think that's important? I do. You going to find the truth? Where are you going to find it? Google? You going to find it in, a, in some other... Uh, what am I trying to say? Secular book or something? Or college? You going to find the truth there? Even in Bible colleges or Christian universities. Or, is that where the truth is established? No. no. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Forsake the church, you're forsaking the truth. Let the church go down and look what happens to the world around us. This, all this problem is not their fault. It's the fault of the people who call themselves God's children. If my people, which are, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Right? My people. My people. We're the light of the world. Right? We're the salt of the earth. We're the ones who make the difference. Saying, hey, but just look at us. We're just a few of us here. <laughs> Yeah, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, there were just 11 apostles. 11, 11 men. And they turned the world upside down with the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. If you want to know the truth, you better be in church. If you don't go, if you're not faithful to church, you are not going to be uh, sound in truth. You're going to be deceived. And you're going to have all kinds of false ideas in your head about God, about salvation, about yourself, about the world around you, and about other people. Right. Titus had been preaching in Crete. And many had been saved there. They were meeting together. But that didn't constitute a church. So Paul gave instructions in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And, and Titus chapter 1, I remember preaching through there a few years ago. And it's all about setting things in order. Titus chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul wrote to Titus and said, For this cause left I thee in Crete. Well, why did he leave him there? That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. You see what Paul was doing? You see what he was doing? He was establishing churches. Something organized. Something orderly. An orderly way for people to gather together and worship God, learn of God, get the gospel to the world. God does all of His work through the church. It's the pillar and the ground of the truth. Some things were wanting and they had to do that had to do with leadership and organization. The people were there. The people were listening to the preaching. But you can't just go out and preach in a field and a bunch of people come and hear you and you say, Well, we had church today. No, you didn't have church today. You may have had preaching and God may have saved some souls. And you may have had a meeting, but it ain't a church. And you can't do that and just forsake the church and say it don't matter. You know, we put so much work in that out there and so much money and 
so much time and we ain't even nowhere near done. I mean, there's lots of work yet to do. But why are we doing that? Why? Well, I hope you know why. It, it's a church. Now the building, you say, well, then that's another thing where we, we get an error if we're not real careful. Well, it's just a building. Yeah, it's just a building. But it's where God's people meet. And it's the house of God. Yes. And it's a sanctified place. Yes. And it is a place that is holy. When, they, when Solomon dedicated the temple, my, that Solomon's prayer, he made much of that place. This place, this place, this place. Yeah. It's important. Everybody will remember the church by where it was. That's right. You will always remember this place. These children will remember this place here. Yes, sir. Yep. Now we're going to move to another place. And somebody else will do something else with this then. But right now, this is the place where we meet. And a church has to have a place to meet. If it's in a cave or under a certain tree, whatever, as long as there's organization and leadership and it's a church, the church is the people, but there has to be a place. And it's important. We, we just can't be floating around everywhere. Paul and Barnabas did likewise. And when they had started churches, they were, call, they were careful before before they left to obtain elders in every city. That's in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas. They, they started churches. They established churches in those different places. Remember Paul and Barnabas on their first uh, missionary journey? And then that, you know, and then he went back and visited them all. Barnabas went the same way they went the first time. Paul took Silas and went backwards on the circuit. And they visited all the churches. The churches. The church is a divine institution and it's the center of God's work in the world. Today, and it is to continue until Jesus returns. It's the center of God's work in the world. Don't ever make light or think lightly. Lightly esteem the church. It's important. It's made up of people. And people have their problems and their faults and and things happen in churches and everything else. But if we don't leave a church to our children, we've left them nothing. We've, left, we've done a great disservice. If we don't make sure that our children know and love the church. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 I've already read that verse up here above us, but he said, if, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Consider, too, that there is no Bible instruction about the discipline and watch care of, child, of Christians apart from the church. There's church discipline, and I want to talk about that. Not tonight, but we'll do it another time. But... There needs to be understanding about that too. 
That's a part of it. That's a part of the reason for a church. Uh, but there's no... Where are you going to get instruction about discipline or, or caring for Christians? You know, feed the flock and... And all the instructions that I mentioned there in the first, watch for our souls, teach us and protect us from error and to have the oversight and to be our examples. Where's that at? Outside the church. Who's going to be your example? Where are you going to find that? Who's going to watch for your soul if you're not in a church somewhere? There's no. I can take care of myself. No, you can't. Neither can I. I need God's people. And I need help and instruction. And I need examples. I need it. Mm -hmm. So you need it too. There's no instruction about leadership among Christians apart from the church. The Bible doesn't give any instructions to people who don't have a church to go to. About how to live. How to serve God. What do you do? I don't have a church to go to. Well, there's you better find one. Mm-hmm. You know, I I hear this a lot from people who write to me and call me and stuff, and they that's what they'll say. We just don't have any church to go to. <clears throat> I tell them, well, there's churches everywhere around you. You better find one and go to it. Uh, it may not be exactly what you want, but why don't you look at it like this? Why don't you go there and try to be a blessing and be a good example and be salt and be a good influence. Don't go there and disrupt the church. Go there and and just try to love some people and try to be a blessing. But everybody's got the other idea. They want to go to church for what they can get. The loaves and the fishes, you know. They just don't suit me. Nobody likes me there. I don't like them people there. You know, they're, they got their cliques and they're, and they're too, you know, got their nose in there and all kind of, you know. Some reason, they don't like it. They don't agree. Well, where are you ever going to find a church to go to where you agree with everything and everybody? And everybody's all on, on every little thing. Where are you going to find that? Good luck to you. There's no instruction about the work of Christians apart from the church. What are you supposed to do? Do Christians who don't go to church and have anything, they won't have anything to do with any church, are they, do they go to hospitals and visit the sick? Do they go to nursing homes and minister to the elderly? Do they? No. Their life's all about themselves. That's why they won't go to church. Because going to church means giving something. Giving of yourself. Of your time. Giving up your rebellion. Being a, a minister. Not everybody's a preacher, you know, like a pastor or anything, but everybody's a minister. You're supposed to be. Right. Everybody is. The entire life and work of God's people for this age appears in the context of the local assembly. Do y'all y'all understand that? This age. The age of grace. The church age. This is the time of the Gentiles. That's where we're at. We're getting close to the end of it. But in this age, it's the church. The local church. That's how God works with His people. Works through His people. Gets the gospel to the world. 
What would you do if everybody had the attitude of it don't matter? How long would the churches, how many churches would there be if everybody had the attitude of, hell, it don't matter. I don't have to be there. I'll just go when I feel like it. Somebody else can take care of them. Well, what if there's nobody else to take care of them? What if everybody just gets like that? Were your grandchildren ever going to hear the gospel? Who's ever going to instruct them in the ways of righteousness? Who's ever going to warn them against the wiles of the devil and the evil of this world? We got a responsibility to the generations that follow us to be faithful to God's church. The Bible emphasizes that the church is God's chosen means of accomplishing His purposes in this age. You know, there's more than 100 references in the, to the church in the New Testament. Did you all know that? To the church in the New Testament. Huh? Over 100 references. And, and, the, and, the, and it, the vast majority of these references are clearly to and about the local assembly. Not all the people of God in a general way. Like the church, that means everybody in the world that's saved. That, that's not the Bible, the way the Bible refers to the church in the New Testament. To the church at Philippi. To the church at Ephesus. To the church in their house. You know, talking about some people. Mm-hmm. So it's a local assembly. A real place. A physical, real place where the people in a certain area meet together. The people of God. And we got to understand also that a New Testament church is not merely a group of Christians meeting for prayer and Bible study. I said that a while ago, but we got to understand that. A believer should never be content merely to listen to preaching, uh, preaching uh, sermons on a cassette player or, or read sermons from a book. By the way, I read that sermon of Finney's here a couple of weeks ago. You wouldn't believe. I've got more response from that than any message I've preached in a long time. And, and it's been listened to uh, between one and two hundred times. You know, that really spoke to a lot of people. And I'm glad about that. But we can't, and I'm glad to be able to read sermons, and I encourage you all to do that. But you can't do that and just say, well, I've had my preaching for the week. <laughs> I didn't come to church, but I want you to know I, I, I read a sermon today. <laughs> like that, uh, that's as good as. No, it ain't. You can't read it from a book or listen to preaching on the radio or television or meet together with a loose-knit group of believers or so-called believers without proper leadership and organization. I've been around long enough to realize what happens. Every once in a while I'm exposed to some people who still try to do things that way. They have church, but church is an open forum every time they get there. And you know what that means? It's a fight every time they get there. They like it where it's just an open form. Somebody gets up here and starts the ball rolling and then everybody gets starts putting their two cents worth in and then you got pretty soon you got a ruckus going. 
I went and preached in another church one time back uh, 15 years ago, something like that. Pastor was gone that Sunday. There was a guy showed up there. When I got there, he was on the front steps of smoking a cigarette. And when we got in there, he just wanted to take over the, the service completely. In Sunday school, he did take over Sunday school. He just took it over. Oh, you know, my brother was trying to teach Sunday school class, and he just took it over, dominated, went to the spitting out his bile everywhere. And it's about all I could take. But then, then we got upstairs, and, and I preached, and I wouldn't let him do that. You know, I'll not let somebody do that, you know. And uh, say, what do you do? Well, we'll just shut her down. That's what we'll do. Right. I, I'll say, you're either, you know, this is, not, this, is not, this is preaching. It's time for you to listen. You want to talk? We'll talk later. <laughs> this is not the time for that. And if you, and you know, I'd say, I'd either say out or we'll just shut the service down. We ain't going to mess around and play games and let some devil disrupt the church of God. <coughs> I believe that's my responsibility. Yes, We've had people come in over here. When we were, we were over here, there was different ones come in. And that's what they're wanting to do. They want to come in. And uh, one guy that, that come in that time, you know, and he sat over there, he wouldn't tell nobody his name. He asked his name. Well, his name was Tim or something like that. I said, what's your last name? Just Tim. So I told everybody to keep an eye on him. And so after church, well, then he wanted to talk to me, and that's what he was. He, was, he, he didn't go to church any certain place. You know, he didn't belong to no church anywhere. He didn't believe in that. Didn't believe you had to. He just went around to churches uh, teaching. You know. So I guess there's churches that will just let him teach. He's a heretic. I mean, I don't even believe somebody like that's even a Christian. I don't. I believe they're a devil. Yes, sir. So you are terrible. I believe I'm more right than you are. If you if you would let somebody like that, no, 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 no. Any pastor that would would let a wolf in on his people like that, he's irresponsible and is not right. Not right. He doesn't love the sheep. He doesn't care for them. If he'd let that happen, you can tell by somebody's spirit. When they got a bad spirit. Me and them clash right away. And I've run into some through the years. My goodness. And you know how easy to get along with I am. Amen, y'all. Now, I won't fight you over every little thing. But when somebody comes in just brazenly like and growling and they're going to take, no, you know, we'll just, we're going to clash. <laughs> We were out at the old building, and some and some of the fam one other family brought this other family in, and they come from over around Springfield or somewhere. And boy, me and him locked horns right away, and it was him, you know. I, he just wouldn't leave it alone, and he just kept wanting to challenge me and direct me and correct me, and so finally it didn't end well that day. This didn't end well, and. Uh, but he was one of them too. They don't go to church any certain place. They just go where they want to, when they want to, when they feel like it. His wife was a nurse that worked night and day. And he just goofed around, played with things. His way of making a living or something that never amounted to nothing. Had a whole passel of kids. 
They were all miserable and dissatisfied. <clears throat> and his whole argument was that you ought to go to the city and live if you want to preach the gospel because that's where the people are. And I said, well, the Bible says, <laughs> woe unto them that lay house to house. And that man, that just inflamed him. It made him fighting mad because the Bible said that. Something wrong with people like that. There's a spirit about people who don't love the church. If you love the church, you'll love, you'll love any church where the people are. We, we used to go and travel, man. We were in so many churches. Week after week, we were in different churches, different churches, different churches. And so we got a real taste of a, a smorgasbord of what's out there. <laughs> Mercy. But a church is a church. And I always enjoyed going to a new church. Because you know what I always found? I never found any church where they were just full of, you know, crazy, mean people. I always found the same thing. There was a few crazies there. And there was some good people there. Uh, and you, it don't take long to figure things out. When you go in and you get to talking to people and you can just spot them. But it's a church. And that's just something we need to understand. You know, a local church is going to be made up. Now, I know the the bylaws and everything says saved and baptized. you got to be saved and baptized to be a member of this church. That don't mean they're saved. They may have been baptized. We can make sure they're baptized. But we can't really make sure they're saved. They can say they're saved, and they're not saved. And they're a member of the church. So every local church is made up of members that are some of them are saved, and some of them are not. And so you're going to have those kind of issues in the church. Because there's tares in there. How we keep them out? Can't. That's just the nature, the way things are in this age. Now when the trumpet sounds... The church is going to be purified in an instant. If persecution comes before the Lord comes, the church is going to be purified. Because the hypocrites will leave. When it starts costing, and the loaves and the fishes are not there anymore, they'll leave. When it gets hard to serve God, they'll leave. Hard to be a part. Hard to identify as a Christian. When it's costing them, they'll leave. Alright, I'm about done. So it's clear from the Scripture that it is God's will that every believer be a faithful and a fruitful member of a sound New Testament church. See, back when I got saved, this was not an issue, really. There were some people like that, but, but I mean, when we got saved, when I got saved, I understood that meant I go to church. It never crossed my mind when I got saved that I, well, I'll just go when I feel like it. Never, it never entered my mind. From the day I got saved, I just knew I was supposed to go to church. I didn't fight it or resist it. I wanted to. <clears throat> I felt that's where I ought to be. Yes, 
I remember going to church and being miserable and saying, I hope this gets over quick. Yes. I want out of here. Lord, if I get out of here, I ain't coming back. I remember feeling like that. Can you imagine? I did. Yep. It's miserable. Oh, this, this is, it's boring. I can't stand this. But when I got saved, it was totally different. I remember. I remember going to church and just all eyes and all ears and I was drinking in everything I could hear. I think that's the way it is. I think that's the way it is. I think that's the way it still is. So if there's not such a church, you know, in the area, what if you can't find a church to go to? Well, then the establishment of such a church should be the highest priority. Why does this church exist? Well, because about 15 years ago. Yeah. That's where we were. So that's why this church is there. We didn't split another church to start a church. No. Most churches start from splits. That's unscriptural. That's right. It's the wrong way to start a church. But I don't know very many churches who've not started off a split. I've been around Piedmont for a long time. I know how all of the Baptist churches in Piedmont started. There's not a single one that didn't start from a split. Except the first Baptist. It was the first Baptist. <laughs> now there's 13 Baptist churches around. And, and not all of them started off of that. But I mean, I can tell you if you want to know. I mean, I know every one of them. As you drive through town, every one of them started from a split, off a split, off a split. And it ain't over yet. There'll be some more. There'll be a split. We didn't start off of a split. That's right. We were going to church up there. I went to Brother Parker and talked to him. And I told him what we were going to do. And he was okay with it. Said he was. <laughs> and that ought to be what everybody would want. I mean, God calls some young preacher in here and then and he learns and gets established and and feels like he ought to start a church somewhere else. Ought to be for him. Yes, That's what this is about. Yes, sir. Yeah. Why do we want to just have one big boat and when it sinks we all drown? <laughs> And it's going to sink. You know, churches have a lifespan. Why don't you want to establish other churches so there's place for people to go? And besides, there'll be people come to a little church over yonder who won't come to this big church here. Who can't? Who won't? There's different people out there and different people, you know, there's people who wouldn't come listen to me one minute. They can't stand me. But they're not our kind of people. You know, well, there's people like that too. I mean, I, you know, I'd have a hard time, you know, worshiping with them on a continual basis. So that's why Paul and them didn't start one big church in the country and then it bust everybody to there. No, they went to every place they stopped. They started a church. So the, what, how did the Methodists, they evangelized this country. 
You know that, don't you? Circuit riding preachers. All right, I'll stop. We're a little late, but I didn't do all that long of preaching. I mean, this is, I read that letter, remember? All that? The church, it's important. And I feel like I'm preaching to the wrong people tonight. All of y'all are faithful, and I appreciate that. And uh, that's what it takes. There can't be a church unless people are faithful. So, I hope it, it'll encourage you. Keep on. And stay faithful to God's work. It's the most important thing that's going on in the world right now. It is. More than we can even imagine. I'm amazed. Amen.